Welcome back to It's All Relative in our Daily Fantasy Edition. I'm your host, Megan, and I'm joined by my brother, Steve, and cousin, Brad. And since we're all Daily Fantasy players and enjoy playing on DraftKings, we like to meet here weekly and talk about our important fantasy decisions. So we're going to walk through our weekly process with you guys on this podcast and chat about our core plays and tournament fades and pivots and um, just discuss some general strategies. So now let me introduce my family and Fanspeak team. Um, first, my brother, Steve. Uh, Steve, how are you doing tonight, and how was your week eight? I'm doing well. I uh, didn't have the, the best week eight. I just did not think the Chiefs would need to throw 400 yards and five touchdowns to to uh, beat the Jets. I kind of predicted that to go a different way, and I just I. had <laughs> very little Dalvin Cook. Um, I just wanted to give it a week with him coming off injury and, and everything with that game script. Um, uh, I didn't see him being rushing late in the game like he ended up doing so didn't see uh, the four touchdowns i didn't yeah <laughs> yeah so that uh that kept me off off that and uh, while i hit a number of receivers who had good solid days guys like Devonte adams uh keenan allen um tyler boyd guys like that uh they just didn't get hit their ceilings sure Okay. Um, and then we're joined uh, back by our cousin, Brad. Uh, we missed you last week, Brad. How's it going tonight, and how was your week eight? Um, it is going quite well tonight. Uh, my week eight was, I only played one lineup, but I think I did okay. Um, I think I had like 145 points. Um, oh, okay. The, my only problem, it could have been a lot higher, is I didn't switch out uh, Derek Carr and... Uh, uh, Darren Waller. Um, so if oh. I switch those guys out, <laughs> could only imagine how much better that lineup would have been. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, but, you're traveling, so it's hard when you're traveling. You usually yeah. play less, and then it's hard to make pivots and changes. So I get it. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't feeling so great Sunday morning. So I kind of <laughs> just woke Why? up. I was like, uh, <laughs> just stayed up very late the night before. Um, and so I was just kind of like, yeah. I might as well do this in the car while I'm driving back. So, you know. All right. All right. <laughs> and go too heavy on the, the amount of games I played. I hear you. No, that, that's smart. I, I When I travel, I usually play the same amount, and that usually is a disaster. So that was very smart of you. Um, all right. Well, before we jump to week nine, let's take a little bit of a deeper dive at week eight and look at about where things may have gone wrong. Steve kind of spoke to it, you know, not being on Dalvin Cook and um, not seeing the Kansas City game, um, you know, or or the Kansas City offense needing to put up so many points. Um, So kind of, I know Steve and I both kind of faded that, that pass, the the passing game for the Chiefs and that hurt bad. So Steve, any other process mistakes you look back on in week eight that you'd like to tweak? Uh, I, I think the other thing, um, I I really tried to go with the lot of cheap tight ends, and that didn't fully work out. I uh, I talked to myself. You'd mentioned uh, the Miami defense. I didn't go that that route. Um, well, defense is volatile, so that's defense hard. is very volatile. But uh, you know, you talked about them, and that was a good call. And I should have played them a little bit more. I just spent up more for. Browns, Bills, a couple other defenses. So um, that could have helped uh, turn some close cat, close misses into caches and mm-hmm. some caches into better caches. So um, 
but yeah, no, I, I thought I overall hit the receivers I wanted outside of, uh, of, you know, the Kansas city players. And, um, you know, that that's pretty much it. And I, I just should have done more down cook over guys like, uh, Henry and Kamara. Sure. Well, Brad, I know you didn't play much last week, but any process mistakes besides not being able to do a last minute pivot off the weather game, um, or anything that you look at week eight that you're glad you didn't play much of week eight. You probably should be happy. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, this is kind of just a general um, yeah. statement where paying attention to weather, like in casual uh, fantasy football, you, you might not have to as much, but in DFS, you know, that could make the difference between, you know, playing a quarterback that throws 15 times, um, you know, you're not going to win anything. Right. The quarterback like that. Um, so I think that's just like kind of a reminder to be aware of weather when it can impact a what was looking to be a, a pretty good matchup on paper with a, both two good offenses and defenses that aren't particularly good. Um, and it just turned that game into, what, a 16-6 to game? Oh, so, that's brutal, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so it kind of just sucks the, the fantasy potential out of the game. Oh, absolutely. Well, one thing, one other week eight um, kind of decision point or um, question I have actually moving forward, and I, I didn't um, bring this up earlier with you guys, but I know Steve and I have talked about this, is the Seattle receivers. Like, it's really starting to feel like whack-a-mole with, um, you know, the, earlier in the season, they'd kind of both maybe get there. Um, I think that they had some games where, you know, um, it was it was just average. I know the Dolphins game is just average for both of them. Um, but then since then, it's it's kind of been like one week it's Lockett, one week it's Metcalf, one week it's Lockett, one week it's Metcalf. That's very difficult, um, you know, when you when you do want to play Wilson, and it's very very hard to double stack with their prices. So Steve, how are you going to handle this whole Lockett Metcalf debacle? moving forward and especially this week against the bills i mean that's a projected high total game and certainly as you know you want to stack it up but what, where do you what do you do uh well I, I think there's two ways to look at it you can just make an all-out stand on one and hope you're right um <laughs> the, you know the, the the issue here is you one of them is wide receiver one or two on the week and the other is wide receiver 30 on the week mm-hmm. um, and they're both priced high so I mean, the guy who's wide receiver one or two, uh, it's worth it. The guy who's wide receiver 30, it's just, it's tough. Um, tough pill to swallow. So I do think the play is to uh, split it just because they, this is another good spot. It is such a highly efficient offense where even if, even if Wilson only throws 35 times, he's so efficient, such a great deep ball passer. They pick up so many yards on the, these um targets to these two guys that I think uh, it's very likely that we have another situation where, where one smashes. And um, I, now I don't think even if I'm playing Wilson, I just think it's too expensive to double stack. This It's just way too much money invested in one team. Uh, even if Wilson has a 350 yard four or five touchdown game, maybe they both get there, but you probably only need one um, to, to win. So that's the way I'm going to look at it. I'm going to split my exposure, uh, whether I'm playing Wilson at quarterback or just in general, 
and I just think that's the way you handle it. And sure, some of your lineups might struggle, and, and maybe that has you miss the cash, uh, you know, once or twice. But hopefully it uh, starts to be a little bit more like it was early in the year. And right. the guy who doesn't get there at least gets around 20 points, and it's at least a passable game, even if it's not hitting value for the price you're paying. Right, yeah. I've split it um, basically the past few weeks, and and obviously the ones like last week with Metcalf and the week before with Lockett smashed and were amazing. But then the other ones, I had a, a great a Russell Wilson lineup last week that finished just outside the cash with Lockett. Had it been Metcalf, you know, it would have done really, really well. And that's that's super frustrating. But like you said, it's hard to just take a stand. Brad, where do you land on this whole Lockett, Metcalf, Seattle situation and stacking? Because I'm sure you want to stack them this week. Where do you land on that? Yeah. Um, so I guess a, a general thought process for me is like one seems to always be more expensive than the other. I mean, obviously, but uh, in this case, uh, Metcalf is what a thousand more than Lockett this week. And, you know, it seems to switch every single week um, on who's more expensive and who's more played. Um, so I, I feel that, you know, in uh, tournaments, you should play the guy that's lower owned or projected sure. to be lower owned. And then um, in cash, you play the higher owned player. Um, I don't know. That's not a perfect science, but I, I do feel that you can get some leverage on leverage on whoever's the lower owned player. This week, I'm not sure um, who that is, but yeah, I'm granted, trying to look at the early ownership right now. I think. Lockett's going to be higher owned because he is cheaper. So, so much, yeah. So I mean, with that in mind, you play DK, and and tournaments are you know that's a strategy you, you can employ. Right. Right. Uh, not that DK won't be like super unowned, but right. Uh, but I get the I get the point. I get the yeah. looking for a little leverage there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, now let's move on to week nine, guys, and talk about our favorite stacks and quarterback plays. Um, Brad, I'll start with you. Which quarterbacks are your favorite this week and kind of going to be your core plays and guys you're liking to stack them with? Um, I think one of the the stacks that I, I like a lot this week is a um, kind of a Raiders-Chargers game stack. Uh, I really sure. like Derek Carr. Um, and I, I also really like Keenan Allen. Um, and then Darren Waller is probably the I mean, he's definitely the best pass catcher on the Raiders. Um, but, you know, paying up a little bit for tight end is always kind of rough to do, mm-hmm. um, especially when there's a lot of good other plays on the slate. But someone like Henry Ruggs, I don't think is a, a bad play where, you know, he doesn't get a ton of volume, but he's not a player that always needs a ton of volume. Right. Um, you know, he can break off a, a big play. You know, he's really fast. Um Aguilar has done pretty well. Like his targets have been continually going up, but uh, I mean, l- last week he only got one target. I kind of throw that game out the window when it comes to stuff like that. Oh sure, yeah, that weather game. But uh, he, I think he's kind of contingent on you know who else is healthy in the passing game. Because um, I, I think he has kind of been a, a benefit towards um, some of the rec- other receivers missing time and whatnot. So I think, I mean, there. A good thing is also that they're kind of cheap where you don't have to, you know, pay up right. for rugs. I think he's under 5K. Um, same thing with Aguilar. Um, so 
I think those are cheap stacks, and you bring it back with Keenan Allen. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Hunter Henry's a good play, and then Mike Williams, you know, he just had a great game. I don't think any of those are necessarily bad plays, but, um, I mean, Keenan's getting, what, like at least 10 targets a game, it feels like, so. Yes, yeah, target monster, absolutely. Yeah. Another another quarterback I like is uh, Mahomes. I mean, that's kind of cheap to say, but I, I think the game is going to be high scoring. And... It's not cheap to say because I faded him last week, and it would hurt real bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but you can pair him up with someone like Miko Hardman. I know it's kind of an expensive stack if you try and do, you know, Hill or especially Kelsey. Right. Um, but then you can bring it back with CMC, who, as of right now, seems to be on his way to play and have a pretty hefty um, role in the offense. And then even if you want to bring it back with either Panthers receiver, um, Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore, I think that's more than fine as well. Um, the workload's there, and uh, I think the game script is there as well. I, I think that's a very stackable game as well. Um, Steve, who are your favorite quarterback plays or stacks this week? Yeah, no, I, I think those are obviously good ones. I mean, I mean, the best one is, of course, the Seattle-Buffalo game. You can go either side of that. It's expensive, but it's the highest total game for a reason. Right. Um, I think <clears throat> I, this isn't a game I would drastically stack, but I do like Deshaun Watson this week against Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. That was a bit of a blowout game last time. Uh, and he had his, I believe, his second base, best game of the season with almost 30 uh, DK points. Uh, that was a week Brandon Cooks went off, so he would be the logical guy to stack there uh, and save some money versus doing Fuller. Um, bringing it back, uh, James Robinson potentially uh, should get a lot of usage. He gets a lot of usage in the passing game. Or you could hope that one of these uh, receivers like Chark or Chenault um, do better with the quarterback change. Uh, likely Jacksonville is going to throw a lot, so the ball is going to be the, in the air. Maybe one of them pay off. It's a little tough to figure out how that's going to work. Uh, but um, I, the game I really like that I just don't, think people are talking up enough is the Denver Atlanta game I think it's because uh Carolina Atlanta just didn't really get there last week um you know there was weather there was issues uh obviously with the injury to Ridley um and I think Carolina's defense is a little better than Denver's right now <clears throat> I think Drew Locke is a sneaky cheap play uh you know he's coming off a 20 point fantasy game now playing a much better matchup uh, you know, I think you could stack them with Fant or Judy. Um, Deshaun Hamilton had a decent game last week uh, for a cheap stack and run it back with Julio. If Calvin Ridley's not playing, Julio is going to get, you know, 12 to 15 targets, I believe. So uh, that could be a really good way to get a lot of targets, get a lot of decent fantasy points at a fairly cheap price, allowing you to then get some pieces from some other games. So um, I really like that stack. You could run Matt Ryan the other way. Matt Ryan's had some good fantasy weeks this year. Um, so I think he's playable. And then one other quarterback who I, who I don't think I'd stack, I don't know if I'd run it back, um, but Kyler Murray, I'd probably play him with Christian Kirk just because uh, Hopkins is so expensive. Uh, or you could play Kyler Murray naked. I mean, he's got just one of the best floors of, of quarterbacks this year. And as we saw with Seattle, he has the, quite the ceiling as well. So um, his lowest point totals are 24 points on the year. So. Um, against Miami at home, a game where they're likely 
likely projected to score quite a bit. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you can go wrong with Kyler Murray. It's just whether you need to stack him, whether you need to run it back. I think that's a different question and tougher to answer. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I know, and you have been very much on Justin Herbert, so I assume Herbert's in your player yeah. quarterback pool too, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely. Okay, and that there's some easy stacks there, of course, with Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry and even Mike Williams, like Brad mentioned. Okay, yeah. guys, let's go to running back and talk about your favorite core plays at running back. Kind of hit some different price points for me. Brad, who are your favorite running back plays this week? Um, towards the top, uh, I really like uh, James Conner. Um, I think that's no surprise there with uh, Dallas' defense <laughs> looking quite awful. Right. Um, to, to give some context, though, for Dallas de- Dallas's defense, um, they uh, they've given up uh, out of the total yards, forty four percent of it has been um, rushing yards, and that is the highest rate in the league. Um, so, I mean, you know, they're just being gashed on the ground. And right. since since the first game, James Conner has been averaging, I mean, probably over twenty touches. But if you just look at the game log. Um, it's a it's around 20 touches at least every single week and against a defense that will probably just have no way of stopping them right um, you know that's very very attractive um, and then I've kind of mentioned this game already at a lower price point I like Justin Jackson I know mm-hmm. it's a little gross because he doesn't get the goal line work but um, at 4900 I think you can get some value out of him um, despite not getting the goal line work. He's averaged over five yards per carry on 17 touches last week, 50-plus um, receiving yards. You know, that's good workload. The Raiders' defense is also quite bad. Um, you know, 31st in DVOA and gives up fifth most uh, fantasy points to running backs. Um, you know, I mean, he can still pay off value without scoring a touchdown. It would be nice right. to have a touchdown, but... Um, you know, he doesn't need it. Um, so those are some of the running backs I like. Um, I also like Chase Edmonds, um, kind of towards the higher end as well. Um, assuming he gets a majority of the workload, um, that's the only thing I'm really worried about, but the Miami defense on the ground has been quite poor recently, not recently, but the whole year. Um, so I, I, I think those are some of the running backs I'm really interested in playing um, this week. Well, as a Carolina fan, I just have to ask, so what what percent exposure do you think you'll have to CMC if he is a full go? So if I make 20 lineups, he'll probably be in at least four or five. Okay. Uh, All right. Just was curious where it it landed there. It also depends on how much I feel like playing Justin Jackson um, and some some punt tight ends. Um, yeah, you got to get creative then. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, that, I mean, that's the only way he's fitting in. Um, I mean, also, like, playing Derek Carr, he's pretty cheap. Um, that helps. Yeah. Yeah, that helps. Um, and then Drew Locke at 5,200. You know, you can jam in McCaffrey if you play one of those two guys much easier. Right. Okay. I just had to get the, the you know, straight from the source in Carolina. So, all right. Steve. What are your core uh, plays at running back at the running back position this week? And give me some different price points as well. Yeah, no, uh, you know, obviously I love a lot of the guys that Brad mentioned, but the guy that 
you know, it's tough to get away from this week is Dalvin Cook. Right. Uh, it's just shaping up to be a great situation. Um, coming off a huge week, he is fully healthy. I think everyone can attest to that, especially <laughs> the Packers defense. Uh, but you have a situation where they're at home, Detroit's coming in. We don't know 100%, but Matt Stafford is on the COVID list right now. He might not be able to play, in which case it's Chase Daniel. You've got to imagine that Minnesota gets up early and they just keep running Dalvin Cook. Um, <clears throat> so in that situation, I, well, I don't think he'll get 50 points again. I think you got a pretty good shot at 30-plus. Right. Uh, I think also near the top, uh, I'm, I'm big on Connor and Edmonds as well. But James Robinson is intriguing. I know uh, it's tough with a brand-new rookie quarterback, but it's not like Gardner Minshew was some experienced veteran here. Uh, you know, we've seen um, Robinson run pretty well throughout the year, and he gets targeted a decent amount. I mean, he's getting basically as a floor of four targets a game, upwards to seven. Uh, you know, he's gotten some decent work, a lot of decent work when they do get in the red zone. Uh I don't, I don't know how much I'll go to him with guys like Connor and Edmonds, just a little bit lower, but I just think he's worth mentioning. Uh, then I think you get into just an interesting situation with kind of the just under 6K guys, uh, Antonio Gibson, David Montgomery, and David Johnson. I'm not high on David Johnson, but it depends on how you believe this game. If you think Jacksonville with Jake Lutton at quarterback is just going to get steamrolled, then David Johnson might be in play. I'm probably not going that way. Uh, Gibson and Montgomery are the guys I want to talk about. Gibson's coming off, obviously, his best game against Dallas, but that was against Dallas, and as we see, everyone can run against Dallas. So, uh, I, you know, they're coming off a bye. Whether they expand his role or not is the question. If they do, you're probably looking good. If they don't, you're probably looking at 13 to 15 fantasy points, which makes him a bad play. Uh, David Montgomery, look, it's not been pretty for David Montgomery this year. But his usage is one of the highest in the league. He, he's basically on the field almost the entire game. He gets a good number of targets uh, in the offense. He's getting almost all the carries, almost all the goal line carries. Um, you know, he just hasn't had the big fantasy day uh, this year. And But that could definitely happen. Uh, Tennessee is not good against the run. We've seen a number of teams run down their throats this year. Um you know, if Chicago gets ahead in this game, Montgomery could end up being a really good play. So it, it's tough to to feel confident about that. But uh, Montgomery, I think, is a guy worth mentioning in that price range. And then, you know, if you're not going the Justin Jackson route and looking for a cheap running back, one guy I would point to would maybe Melvin Gordon. Uh, again, Atlanta. He's a really bad defense. Running backs do pretty well against him, especially running backs who catch the football. If Philip Lindsay does play, it's a little worse. Uh, but Melvin Gordon has almost the entire passing game role in this offense. So I do think he could still potentially get there if Philip Lindsay is active. Okay. Well, I think um, both your guys' core plays and, and running back pool, uh, I, I like it. And Steve, some of those guys that you mentioned um, – from David Montgomery, Antonio Gibson, I believe David Johnson as well, are actually projecting for lower ownerships. Surprised me um, how low. So that, that's interesting to note as well. Um, okay, now let's move on to wide receiver. And Brad, tell me who your core plays are at the wide receiver position. There's, you know, great plays all over the, at all different price points. Um, 
you know, get a couple different price points for me too. What, who are you liking? Yeah. I think that the obvious game to attack with the wide receivers is the Seattle Buffalo game. Right. Um, but to kind of get some higher owned leverage off that is I think Julio Jones, mm-hmm. um, you know, if Calvin Ridley doesn't play or when Calvin Ridley doesn't play Julio Jones, his target share is much larger. Um, he becomes a, a beast. I mean, more so than he already is. Um, but the pace of the game is also projected to be pretty high. Um, I believe Atlanta's fourth in pace of play and then um, Denver's 13th. Um, and I do believe that Denver will be able to keep up um, with the Atlanta defense, or not Atlanta defense, Atlanta offense, because of the Atlanta defense isn't very good. Um, so I think this game could be a little bit of a, a sneaky shootout. Um, and then uh, at the lower point, I, I, I think McCole Hardman, um, he had a, a kind of a surge in target targets last week. Um, and this isn't like garbage time targets or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were still... You know, Mahomes was on the field throwing him the ball. Um, he's pretty cheap to um, add to that. Um, you know, a good cheap piece of this offense that I, I also think is very good, obviously. And then I believe they have the highest implied point total on the week, the Chiefs mm-hmm. do. Um, so, I mean, that's never a bad thing to get a piece of. Right. So um, some other uh, wide receivers are like, um, one of the ones that sticks out kind of in the closer to the mid mid range is uh, Terry McLaurin. Love um, it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he's averaging like 10 targets a game. I think it's yeah. 9.9. Um, and the Giants give up roughly, uh, not roughly, but around the 10th most uh, fantasy points per game to wide receivers. Um, and then, I mean, who else are you going to throw to in that offense? Uh, I think his target share was something ridiculous, like 50% last week or something. Yeah. The, the or before the buy. Yeah. 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 Um, I remember seeing that as well. So I think that's a, a pretty good play um, in that price range. Okay. Uh, Steve, who are your favorite wide receiver plays this week at all different price points? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think um, the Seattle Buffalo guys, uh, Julio Jones, those are the, the top guys, but I also love Keenan Allen at the top. Right. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about targets. It, he's just, it, he basically has a floor of 10 targets. I mean, with the exception of the the game uh, against the Saints where he left early due to, I think it was a back injury or something on that touchdown he had, uh, he's gotten 10 or more targets in every game but week one, which was he only had eight targets, and that was a Tyrod Taylor game. They did not throw as much that game. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Justin Herbert loves throwing in the ball. Hopefully it's uh, more yardage than this past week when he only had 67 yards on nine catches, but get 12 targets in that game. That's exactly what you're looking for. And I do think, uh, you know, Raiders have a young secondary and not the greatest. So I think he can do some work in this type of game. Um, I think if you're starting to go down into the mid tier, uh, I think this is an area where you need to make a stand on one of the Carolina receivers. I'm fine with either probably like Robbie Anderson a little bit more. I also like, uh, Brandon Cooks and Christian Kirk in kind of that that area of right. receivers. Um, but another guy who I don't think is going to get talked about, not going to get mentioned, is Cole Beasley. Uh, again, we have a situation where we've seen Seattle just be terrible against opposing receivers. And you have Cole Beasley coming from the slot. 
he basically, even when John Brown was playing early in the year, he was getting six or seven targets a game. You got to imagine Josh Allen's throwing 45 or maybe more times this game. That could lead Cole Beasley to get 10 targets. Uh, doesn't not going to have the greatest touchdown equity. He only has two on the year. Uh, but again, Seattle, we've seen a lot of big plays. We've seen a lot of slot receivers get them. Um, some are big names like Adam Thielen, uh, Julian Edelman, but uh, you know they they're giving up points in the slot. So uh, Cole Beasley, I think at 5400, is a guy who doesn't seem who's going to get highly owned from the highest scoring game uh, on the slate um, at a decent price point. So. Um, you know, outside of that, I think you're just taking some shots with guys I, lower. I do like Jerry Judy, uh, as I mentioned that game, um, you know, he had 10 targets last week against the chargers. He has a much easier matchup this week against the Atlanta secondary. Uh, you know, he's a talented guy. He was a first round pick for a reason, dominated Alabama. This is the type of game that I think he could really go off in. Um, so I, I really like him as a, a play under 5k. Well, we like targeting receivers against Washington. Um, which Giants receiver are you looking to use more, Slayton or Shepard? Yeah, uh, you know, the the tough thing about that is, of course, um, they, uh, I think Slayton is the more downfield guy. He's getting more targets. But, boy, Daniel Jones has just been so inefficient. And, uh, mm. You know, as we saw last game, they ran pretty well against Washington. I could see them trying to do that same game script. I mean, sure. Yep. The other part of this is, if I do play a giant, it's probably going to be Evan Ingram. Um, right. You know, he hasn't really gone off. Washington cannot defend tight ends, uh, and and the price I, is right. Yeah. I, I believe the price is good, and um, the final thing is, I just don't want a lot of pieces of this game. It has one of the lowest implied to you know lowest totals on the slate, so I, I just don't want to play a lot in this game. I, when this happened a couple of weeks ago, I thought it was a very similar total. I thought Vegas was wrong because you had two bad defenses and it would easily go over. It was exactly on, on point. And, uh, Cause it was two inefficient offenses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one, no one got there. I mean, right. Um, so, you know, I think McLaurin could be fine. I think Gibson in the right scenario, but obviously you wouldn't play both of them. Uh, and then maybe Ingram, I mean, Slayton is going to get, seven to 10 targets, but, um, you know, Daniel Jones has just not looked good throwing the ball downfield. One other follow-up question. Brad made a good point about with the Seattle receivers. And, and I bring this up because again, this is a very stackable, um, high total game. Uh, you may want to play the higher owned one in cash and the lower owned one in tournaments. Um, right now, Tyler Lockett's projected about 19% owned and Metcalf about 11% owned. So, Steve, if you had 20 lineups, how many would you have with Lockett and how many would you have with Metcalf at this point? I just oh. try to get a barometer because I have that's that's a big struggling point for me. And I think it's going to be a big um, decision point this week. And, and unless they both get like 20 points, like you said, then, it, you know, it's important. Oh, and even then, like Lockett at 20 some points, you're fine with Metcalf given his price. You really need him to get over 30. Um, True. So, uh, for for a tournament lineup, and I just I like Medcalf more. Um, I'm interested to see how Buffalo tries to play this game. Their secondary has not looked great. They have Tre'Davious White, but he's been kind of banged up. Not maybe been his best self this year. Um, Medcalf's the one who I think can beat him outright. But if they try and put him on Lockett and double team Medcalf, 
you know, maybe um, maybe Russ just targets Lockett more. I, I think right. when teams do that, I think I think Russ is more likely to target the guy who's got head-to-head coverage, even if mm-hmm. uh, it's a great cornerback because Russ just trusts himself and his receivers so much. Um, right. But it's it you know it's really tough to say. But in twenty lineups, I probably have uh, Medcalf in eight and Lockett in six. Um, yeah. You know, no, that, that type of thing. Absolutely. Okay. That's about where I was at. Just wanted to check and see. All right, guys, on to tight end. And let's talk about some of our favorite um, plays at different price points. See at the top is obvious. Um, but Brad, talk to me about um, some other tight end plays you like this week. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Darren Waller, I think, is also kind of obvious. Um, right. The matchup is good. Um you know, he's pretty much the number one receiver on the team. Um, I believe that this game is going to, you know, have a high total. Um, and he gets, you know, a ton of targets there. Uh, another another player I, I like is Noah Fant. Um, we've already kind of talked about how this game might, might you know, it wouldn't be shocking if this had the highest total uh, of the week. Um, you know, if Denver is to keep up in this game, Noah Fant's definitely be a, a huge part of that. Um, and then a cheaper tight end. This is kind of contingent on whether someone is in or out, but uh, Will Disley um, inside of the Seattle Buffalo game. Mm-hmm. Um, if Greg Olson is out, you know Disley has been getting more and more snaps. I believe he outsnapped Olson last week. Um, Olson still had more targets, but you know it helps to be on the field as well. Um, I, I tend to lean towards more of these these punt tight ends. So I, I hope do too. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of hope something you know happens to where we can play someone around you know three k, so I can jam in you know some higher price players. Because as much as Waller's a good play, it's tough to to play someone at a tight end at fifty eight hundred. Um, right. And, and Kelsey, Kelsey at seventy two. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, Steve, who are your favorite tight end plays this week? Uh, yeah, I'm, I will probably mainly avoid the top, even though I do think Kelsey and Waller are good plays and Hawkinson with no Galladay theoretically is a good play. I just don't right. trust that offense, especially if Matt Stafford is not playing or at the very least hasn't practiced all week. Um, totally avoiding Mark Andrews. So my list starts basically with Noah Fant and Eric Ebron. Uh, Fant, I think, is just in a tremendous spot. And I think Ebron is as well. Uh, you know, we went through the receiver list and didn't talk about any receivers against the Cowboys. Um, <laughs> and it makes sense for two reasons. One, uh, they're very bad against the run, so Connor stacks up well. And since Dak Prescott isn't there to turn it into a shootout, it's likely Ben Roethlisberger's throwing 25 times this game. Um, right. And, and he might not even be on the field in the fourth quarter. Um, so, you know, that that's a very good reason. And Steelers just have way too many receivers. But Eric Ebron, we see he gets targets in and around the red zone. Uh, at his price point, he doesn't need much. Um, you know, we saw him have a decent week last week against a much better defense in, in the Ravens. So, uh, you know, he, he's an interesting pivot off Fant and in that price range. Evan Ingram, I mentioned before. Hunter Henry, I know Brad mentioned. You know, for as good as Justin Herbert's been, Henry has is not translated to Henry. Henry's price keeps dropping. Uh, making him, you know, a guy who could kind of have a, a breakout week. Um, 
but below that it boy it gets thin fast and um <laughs> you know jimmy graham gets targeted a lot but it's been fairly inefficient uh tennessee's not a great defense and so maybe that's the play logan thomas got four four catches and a touchdown in this game a couple weeks ago against the giants but you know again a pretty inefficient offense from a low scoring game uh trey burton i know um you know, Mo Alley Cox, who's been limited in practice, and Jack Doyle, they all got targets. They all kind of ate, ate into everyone. But uh, Burton is 3,500. He's probably going to get four to five targets. They Their receivers are kind of a mess right now with Hilton out. Michael right. Pittman, uh, you know, might end up on the COVID list. I saw he's considered a close contact to the guy who, uh, the coach or the trainer. Um, so it, there's a chance he might not be able to play. Uh, so that, you know, that could help make that situation a bit more tenable, but, um, it gets pretty thin out there and I'm, uh, I don't know if I like anyone else really lower than that. Sure. Well, I agree, um, with both your guys' suggestions there at tight end. Now let's discuss some of our tournament fades or maybe not fades, maybe some guys that are a little chalky this week that we might want to be a little underweight on. Brad, who are some guys that you might see yourself going underweight on this week? Oh, you're on mute, I think. Uh, based on the early uh, <laughs> ownership projections, um, it seems that Josh Jacobs is going to be entirely way too uh, owned. Um, right. I just don't think it, it feels like playing Derrick Henry, but cheaper. Um mm-hmm. He needs multiple touchdowns to have a great game, and even then, that's not guaranteed. Um, he also uh, is a little bit hurt this week. Um, if I remember correctly, he didn't practice today, um, so you got to be careful about that. Um, I right. understand that the there's going to be a lot of points scored, and um, I do think that the Raiders are a good offense, but um, I just don't know if it's going to go through Josh Jacobs. Um, Another player is Hopkins. Um, I think the, the price is just a little bit too high, and I don't particularly think this game is going to be that close. Right. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Miami's going to be able to keep up um, with Arizona um, with two at quarterback. So I, I just don't know if I'm going to pay up that much when I can, you know, either get Dalvin Cook or go down to someone like Julio. Um, and then Thielen, based on the projections that I've seen, I think he's way too high. Going back to the Dalvin Cook comment, um, I don't see how Dalvin Cook smashes in this game, or not. I don't see how he does. <laughs> um, That's right. <laughs> because the the Lions' defense is bad, um, and I don't think Minnesota is really going to have to throw a lot, um, especially right. if Stafford doesn't play. Um, there's just not a lot of upside for that Detroit offense and the overall game total being that high. Agreed. Steve, who are some guys you see yourself coming in underweight on? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I totally agree with Josh Jacobs, um, among the running backs. Um, another one who I will probably end up underweight on, um, is, uh, J.K. Dobbins, I know he's gotten talked up a little in some circles because he's coming off a big game against Pittsburgh, but he also had almost zero passing involvement. They don't throw a lot to the running backs to begin with. Uh, he still has Gus Edwards there. I mean, this all assumes Mark Ingram's out. 
Um, I just see him potentially getting popular because of his price, and I don't think he's going to get 120 plus yards again. Uh, I think you know Pittsburgh just kind of allowed that to happen, and they weren't going to let uh, Lamar beat them through the air, and he didn't. And uh, you know, Indy's a good defense; they've played really well this year. Um, so I don't see Dobbins doing anything this week. So he's a stay away guy for me. Um, at wide receiver, in, in addition to the ones Brad mentioned. Uh, I'm also off Tyreek Hill. I know he's coming off his best week of the year. It was only six targets, and that was against the Jets. Carolina's defense is they don't give up big plays. They don't let guys get behind them. Uh, they like to keep things in front. And, you know, we've just not seen this real ceiling for Tyreek Hill. And when you're paying 7,100, again, you need high 20s, low 30s points. And, you know, last week was the closest he's come at almost 26 points and would have gotten there had he gotten the bonus and he was just a couple yards away. But, boy, it, it's just tough um, given how the usage has gone this year. So I'm not going to pay that price uh, in that ownership for him. Okay. Brad, are there any low-owned uh, tournament plays you're you're kind of looking at or guys that are projected to be low-owned that you are targeting more? Uh, yeah. Two I've already kind of mentioned with Justin Jackson and Miko Hardman. Sure. Um, they're, they're cheaper. Um, they allow someone to get pieces of the two games that they're in that I think are, you know, good games to target. Um, the third player that I, I saw that I was pretty interested in is a uh, Darnell Mooney. Um, I like playing him. He came yeah. through the touchdown last week. <laughs> yeah, um, he's gotten consistent targets, uh, roughly yeah. like six or so. Um, and, you know, if you watch him run routes, he's getting good separation and, um, you know, he has a good chance to score uh, against this, you know, bad Titans defense. And at 3900 that's another way you can save some money. Right. You know, but in some of these higher-priced higher, higher price guys, um, you know, I, I like him a lot as well. Okay. Steve, who are some lower end guys you're targeting this week? Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know if he'll be super low owned. Uh, I've seen mixed, uh, projections on his ownership, but Alan Robinson, uh, mm. is a guy that I really like who doesn't seem to be getting talked up a lot. I know the bears offense has not been the pillar of efficiency, but you know, coming off an injury last week, he still got a good amount of usage. I think he's probably healthier now. And Tennessee has not been great defensively. So um, I could see him getting back to over 10 targets and over 100 yards. And if he gets a touchdown, you're going to be pretty happy. Um, <clears throat> another receiver, uh, in addition to some guys I mentioned before, like Jerry Judy, like um, Cole Beasley, uh, who definitely isn't projected to be highly owned. Uh <laughs> I think um, one situation I'm going to look at is um, figuring out what I want to do with uh, two teams, any Raiders receivers, because like we talked about, getting Darren Waller is tough. We do project this to be a high-scoring game. Picking the right Raiders receiver, none of them seem to be popping in ownership. I mean, Henry Ruggs is most talented, so that would be uh, one pivot area to look. And then if... uh, I don't know if I'll play it, but boy, from a narrative perspective, uh, Marquise Brown uh, was very critical about not being involved in the offense. He's a talented guy. I 
you know, this could be a sneaky shootout. Indy has had some shootout games. Um, you can't really get there on the ground against them, it seems like. But through the air, we saw Cincinnati move the ball through the air. So maybe um, maybe Lamar um, really tries to feed Marquise Brown and he catches a couple big ones. And if he gets 10 targets and, you know, one or two deep ones, uh, you know, not, not a terrible call. But I don't know if I'll end up getting there, but. It, it's something I'm interested in. I don't have much interest in playing Lamar this week, but I could see him feeding uh, Brown this week. Yeah, squeaky wheel narrative. It never hurts to consider. Um, all right, guys, any closing thoughts before we um, head out and, and try to work on our week nine lineups? Brad, any closing thoughts for this week? Um, it'll be nice to be able to watch most of the games this weekend. But, <laughs> uh, it feels like I haven't been able to watch a lot of games um, in what feels like a month, I think. Um, so It's time I'll, to get I'm that excited. Red Zone channel back on, Brad. Yeah, i got to find that stream online somewhere. <laughs> um, so, yeah. All right, excited so that, all right, excited for Red Zone, excited for Fantasy Week 9. Steve, what are your closing thoughts for Week 9? Uh, well, we didn't really touch on defense, uh, yeah. so I will say that if you can find the money, I think paying up for Pittsburgh's defense is probably going to be end up very smart. Um, you know, I think a lot of people gravitate to the Houston game with the Lutnet quarterback. I don't know how much I'll go there. I uh, a game that's a little cheaper than that that I like is Arizona versus Miami. Tua did not look great. Uh, his first game out, now he has to go on the road. No Miles Gaskins. Uh, I could see them having some trouble scoring. Um, so that that's another one I'll pivot to. And, uh, you know, Washington's defense is priced up. The Giants' defense is pretty low. They got 14 fantasy points when they these two teams played a couple weeks ago. So I think Giants' defense at a cheap price makes a lot of sense. Sure. And my closing thoughts are there still are, obviously, covid Positivities um, kind of all over the league. Um, the NFL has kind of found a way to still get the games in, but pay close attention and make sure you're watching to make sure none of these games, even if they get played this week, that none of these games get pushed off the main slate. Um, so just pay attention to that news. Um, stay locked into Twitter. Um, but anyways, guys, uh, thank you so much for joining me. It always helps to go through this process. Um, and thank you all for joining us. Um, you guys, good luck to everybody in week nine. May variants be on your side and everybody stay safe out there. We'll see you next time.